Alyssa has been leading our children's ministry, not just for our church, but for all three congregations. She's a champion of the children's ministry. She's developed policy, structure that allows our children to be taken care of excellently. She has an education degree. This is a training and background. She's uh, taught for a couple of years. And uh, now she and her husband are doing some crazy stuff. They moved into Roxbury. And every, every couple of weeks I get and some text about gunshots somewhere. Okay. I'm not going to steal her sermon about these things. Uh, but I, I just so appreciate steps of faith that are saying, I, I am listening to God's voice and I want to obey him. God has given Alyssa a big motor. There's something very strong in her. There's a, she's going into God's purposes in a strong way. She is, she's, it's, it's interesting how this thing is, is unrolled. Last week I talked about, at the end of my message, about a new release of leadership. And, she, and Alyssa and Tim represent part of that. So I, will you join me in praying fresh anointing on her today? Yes, Jesus. And it's, this is, this is part of what Jesus is doing among us. And it's a good thing. We ask you, I thank you for years of choices, many years of choices. When you first start walking with the Lord, as I know from your college years, that uh, more than 10 years of choices and, and purposes that you've said yes to. So, and, and, the, and the gifting that God has given you, this, this strength of will and purpose, strength of will and purpose in the Lord that's been purified again and again. So come Holy Spirit right now. Let, make it alive. Make it accurate. And let it be transforming to every one of us. Just You can say yes in your own heart. As she's speaking, amen is just saying yes. You're agreeing with the word of God. You're agreeing with what he's saying. Yes, Lord. Do it, Lord. Increase it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to just say it in your heart. You can say it really loud. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, band. Becky, Raquel, Viv, John, Eric, Natalie. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Mark, that was great. I don't have to do much of an intro now. Uh, yeah, I'm Melissa Tachi. I am on staff here at Antioch. I've been serving with our kids' ministry for eight years. Uh, I got saved at Antioch. Uh, awesome, uh, awesome testimony story of the Lord's pursuit of me, pursuit of me. Um, but that's not our, our story today. Um, yes, I'm a teacher by trade. I'm a high D on the disc. That's my motor. Uh, I'm an ESTJ, but if you want to see my resume, I, I can send it to you later. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to get a little glimpse of, of who I am by on um, this message this morning. So, so thankful to be here. Really honored to speak. Um, thankful for my husband, for Tim, that makes space for me to prep and get work done this week and chase around our, our toddler. So, love ya. Um, 
All right, I only get 30 minutes, so we're going to jump in. And today, we are talking about Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, about the early church, about the first followers of Jesus, and I can only imagine that they didn't have it all figured out, right? Like, they didn't have the most functional ministries or, like, perfect relationships with each other or really any idea what they were doing. Uh, but what they did have was the Holy Spirit, and they took risks. Open up your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, your phone, your hipster Bible. Look up on the screen. Uh, last week, Mark began our five-week sermon series in the book of Acts, and he gave us an intro to the book written by Luke, a second uh, part um, of the Gospel of Luke. The story takes place in Jerusalem between 62 and 64 A.D., it's Pentecost, okay? It's a celebration where Jews from all over come to the holy city of Jerusalem to celebrate and give offering of bread at the end of this grain harvest. Jesus' followers are there, 120 of them, including the 12 apostles, Mother Mary, his brothers, and many more. And they are gathered, and they're waiting. And then it comes. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah, well, what? Like, <laughs> okay, just like imagine this passage, right? This might be a passage you've read a lot. Maybe you've like worn the hat in Sunday school with, like, the flame on it or something. Like, I know that we've done them here at least once in the past eight years. Um, but this is, this is crazy, right? They're waiting. They're together. They're praying. And all of a sudden, the place is shaking, and papers are flying in the air, and there's fire above their heads, and they're talking in different languages. Come on. This, I just want to, I want to wake, make sure you're awake this morning, and I also want to break you out of just, I want us to look at the word, because it's alive and active, right? So if you've read the story before, it's alive and active again today. No, I'm so glad, so glad you're awake. Uh, just as Jesus told them, just as he had promised, he sent his spirit to his people. It came like rushing wind, it burned like fire, and it remained in his people. And then what? Well, the entire book of Acts is this amazing narrative that displays the qualities and priorities of the church. I would encourage you to read along with us during the series. Start today. Even if you're behind, we're just two chapters in, so I think you can catch up. As you read, you're going to see and feel what, the healthy what a healthy church should feel and look like. And today we're going to get a glimpse of that with the second chapter of Acts and those believers in Jerusalem. Today we're going to see that taking risks should be our normal. Chapter 2 includes the story at Pentecost, Peter's sermon, and the description of the fellowship of believers. In these three sections and throughout the entire book of Acts, I see three qualities of a healthy church. One, consistent prayer. Two, bold witness. And three, committed fellowship. One more time. Consistent prayer, bold witness, and committed fellowship. Now, all three of these are empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? And all three of these include risks. Now, 
I, I love the Word of God, but I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm going to set you guys up a little bit for today. And I hear the voice of God, but I'm not a prophet, but I'm a teacher who gives exhortation, okay? It's encouragement and challenge. So today, you will hear the word of God, and by his grace, be challenged. And today, I'm going to argue that taking risks should be your normal. What is risk? To expose someone or something to danger, harm, or loss. The key word here is is expose, the exposure, right? Um, I want to highlight that because that's the unknown factor, right? When you take a risk, you don't know if harm or danger is going to happen to you, but you take the risk. I hope I don't overuse this word today. Like, I don't want it to become white noise. Rather, my, my hope is to ex- expo- ex- sorry, expand your understanding on risks and encourage you to take them regularly for Jesus, <laughs> right? Risks for, not for the sake of being risky, um, not about thrills, not about doing something to be countercultural or wild, right? We're talking about radical obedience to the word of God, okay? That's the kind of risk we're talking about today. So, anyone with that world mandate this year? Give me a shout out. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to um, use a quote, a quotation from Jim Yost, who is wild. If any of you, the guy is, is a missionary, he's been around for a long time. He's spoken at a lot of world mandates, but This is a a quotation he gave during this year's World Mandate. He said, danger is normal. Give up the right to safety and security for the sake of bringing people to Jesus. And later on in his teaching, he says, that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit and you're not using it, give it back. (laughs) Amen. It's good. We say this a lot in our household. So... I'm going to enter you into a, a little bit of, of risk um, in our lives. So t- two years ago, as Mark mentioned, um, Tim and I purchased a home in Roxbury. Uh, Roxbury recently became, recently became a cultural district recognized by um, Boston, which is really, really exciting. And we've got a couple of photos I want to show you to paint the picture of this. So this um, is right down the street from our house. Um, it's, it's actually called, like, Children, Children of the World or something, and it's um, done. It's going to be... A apartment complex. So actually, this is an older picture now. There's like a building there. And this is done by a local artist. He's known as Akoma. And the owner, the contractor who's building it is, al- is also from our, from our neighborhood. It's really cool to see um, the art. Um, the next, next photo is another mural that we walk by a lot when we're doing prayer rocks. Um, so, I mean, Nelson Mandela, come on. I mean, there's amazing art in, in our neighborhood. There's, um, we've, I've recently, with Maria, went to a open mic with, like, spoken word and dance and poetry. I mean, Roxbury is rich, rich with, with art. It's amazing. So it's really great that they're finally being rec- recognized as a cultural district. Um, we love it. We want you to come over. The last picture is our backyard, okay? Like, we live, we live in, a, in a brick building. We live in a condo. Uh, but there's green in Roxbury. It's beautiful. <laughs> this is our backyard. This is last spring. It doesn't look like this yet, but, like, Hopefully soon. Uh, so we, we want you to come over. We, we love Roxbury. We, we moved there with full intention to invest deeply in our neighborhood. Okay? We want to see a multi-ethnic church that loves Jesus in Roxbury, right? Like, come on. That's seeking reconciliation, wholeness, and the peace of the city, right? Founded on the truth of the word of God. Picture this. Antioch, Roxbury. <laughs> Building on Christ. Restoring with truth, thriving in the spirit. 
Good, right? Come on. <laughs> if you don't have vision for what you want to do with your life and this is it, you can talk to me after. Uh, but Roxbury is, is the Boston Police Department's second busiest precinct. This year, there have been 13 reported shootings in our neighborhood, so in three and a half months. Since we moved to Roxbury, May 2016, there have been over 150 reported acts of gun violence. This includes men, women, and children, a lot of children. When I hear a, a helicopter overhead, I turn on my iPhone scanner, I have like a 5-0 app, because so often, it's a police chopper looking for a suspect. So we turn on our scanner, message our team, and we pray. We don't respond in fear. We don't live in fear. We trust God, right? Because this isn't about us. This is about real people who live on our streets, who shop in our stop and shop, who play in our local parks. One of our own neighbors who lives in our condo building, she's lost a son from gun violence. The executive director of the youth center behind our house, it's, she's one of the most effective and well-known advocates for youth in Boston area, recently lost her brother to gun violence. So yes, living in our neighborhood is a physical risk for our family. Just doing daily life puts us at risk. But God has called us, and we obey. Let's look back to our three points today from the passage. Consistent prayer, bold witness, and committed fellowship. Consistent prayer. Well, we can assume from Acts 1 that this gathering, right, in the beginning of the passage, and that they're in prayer. Jesus left, and they're waiting. I wonder what they're praying about, right? Like, for Jesus to come back? They saw him do it once uh, for understanding of the power that was going to come to them, maybe for some kind of direction, like, what do we do next, Lord? I'm not sure, but what I do know that asking a lot of those questions puts them at risk. They have to know that God responds to the prayers of the saints, right? Our prayers and petitions to God are in faith that he will respond, so our prayers are risky. When we pray for healing, we're putting our faith in the line. Will it happen? How will we respond if it does? And what if it doesn't? When we pray and ask for our family members or our coworkers to come to know Jesus, whatever it takes, it's risky. Have you ever been afraid to ask God for something? Maybe you've prayed for more humility. Ouch, right? Like, that one hurts. Um, or an opportunity to pray for healing. Game on. You've got to be ready. Or maybe you don't want to let go or expose a dream you have because it's safer to just hold on to it yourself. Consistent prayer is risky. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the prayers, right? A healthy church is full of believers who take risks in consistent prayer. Jimmy Seibert, amazing man of God. Mark mentioned him and his wife, Laura, last week. They are the head of the Antioch movement. Uh, he did a series on Acts in the fall called Return to Radical. It's really good. Listen to it. You can find it on the podcast or on their website. Um, but here's a quotation that he gave in one of his sermons. Everybody wants a miracle, but not everyone wants to be in a position to need a miracle. So Jimmy's saying that if you want to see the Holy Spirit move, then you need to be in a place where you're fully depending on the Holy Spirit, right? 
it displays, it's displayed right in our passage today, right? In, in Peter's sermon, he has a harsh rebuke to the Jews following the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So we're moving into bold witness. We see Peter's bold witness standing before the multitude who have gathered around as they heard the many languages proclaiming the good news. But no, Peter is not alone. It says, Peter standing with the eleven. Peter proclaims the gospel of Jesus, explaining Old Testament prophecies from Joel and David's words from the Psalms to an audience of Jews who are very familiar with the scripture. But he doesn't just share the gospel. He flat out rebukes the thousands of people standing before him. Acts 2, 23 reads, this is Peter's words, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Bold witness. He's empowered by the Spirit to stand, to proclaim, and to call for repentance. Fast forward to the modern church. Uh, there's a Gordon Conwell student at uh, the Urban Ministry campus in our neighborhood. I'm, I'm a student there. There's a, a student who um, attends Gordon who can at times be seen wearing a full white gown with a bullhorn uh, proclaiming the gospel on the corner of, of Dudley Street by the Dudley bus station. Bold witness. <laughs> I, I tried to find a good video. I mean, I think uh, two or three weeks ago, I was parking my car to go to class, and she was out there, and there were police cars because there had just been a shooting. Yeah. So it's risky to proclaim the gospel like that, right? You risk rejection. You risk being misunderstood. And in that location, you, you're risking your life. But I think risk is relative too, right? I think situations and circumstances can alter the level of risk that's involved. Sharing the word, speaking truth with a family member or a coworker presents some different risks than sharing with a stranger. Risk of your reputation, maybe your relationship with that person, they might reject you, your friendship could be awkward or uncomfortable, or you might share something that person has never heard before and introduce him or her to the person of Jesus. So there are different kinds of risks. There's not just physical risks, like moving to an unsafe neighborhood, but emotional risks, social risks, financial risks, and relational risks, which is in my next story. A few weeks ago, we hosted our first Easter. That was so fun. Uh, Tim and I are both local to Massachusetts, so we've been really blessed over the years to crash holidays at our family and just show up and eat and enjoy. It's awesome, but this year we felt like it was our time to host, and actually we didn't host our families. Uh, we hosted our neighbors. My mom was like less than thrilled about this because I wasn't home and she wasn't invited, um, <laughs> but we took the risk. Uh, we invited over 30 people in our neighborhood who we have a relationship with in Roxbury, and guess what? 17 people showed up. Yeah. <laughs> 17 people who walked to our house enjoyed a meal, and had fellowship together. I felt really strongly that I should share the gospel at this dinner. So before we prayed over the meal, I shared a bit of my personal testimony and why we celebrate Easter Sunday. We knew about one-third of our guests were strong believers. Uh, but the other the two-thirds of our group weren't sure what was going to happen. Some of the fruits uh, of that risk is still unknown. But after dinner, one of the trustees of our condo association where we live 
approached me to share a little bit about his faith in God. I had no idea. Another one of our guests shared her story about coming to faith, investing in a local church, serving in the children's ministry there, and later discovered a web of connections that we all had in common with more believers in the neighborhood. The past week, I received a thank you note in, my, in, in the mail from this neighbor asking us to keep her in the loop of our times of Roxbury intercession. You put your relationships on the line when you respond to the Holy Spirit and you step out in bold witness, but taking risks should be our normal, right? Consistent prayer involves risk. Bold witness oozes risk. <laughs> but what about committed fellowship? All right, so our third point. Is anyone here involved in life group? Come on. What about in a discipleship group or a discipleship relationship? Come on. Well, does uh, it ever feel like you're exposing yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's risky, right? Like going deep with people is risky. Let's look back at our passage. We're going to look at the infamous description of the fellowship of believers in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Hold, please. <laughs> and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking, in their homes, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What kind of risk do we see here, right? In addition to, to some of the types we've already discussed, um, we can see the church modeling financial risk. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Not just selling your stuff so you can get a new car because you need to get to work, right? Or, or so that you can go on a mission trip even. Selling all your stuff so you can give it away to others. But what if you need it? Like, how do you know someone else really needs that cash, right? You don't. <laughs> Unknown is always in the risk. And risk is different from sacrifice, right? We don't have time to go into this amazing quality of the church, laying down our whole lives for others as Jesus has done for us, but we should clarify that these two are closely connected. The risk comes before the sacrifice. Committed fellowship, like we see in this passage, like we see in life groups and on Sunday mornings, calls for risk. And if you haven't felt a little conviction yet this morning, this one's for you. Choosing to invest deeply in other people and allow others to see you for who you really are, well, that's the greatest risk of being known. It's the, be it's the beauty of committed fellowship, right? It's also terrifying, this is the share life of our values part of Antioch, right? We share life. That's breaking bread together and confessing sin. That's praying for each other and repenting and challenging. If we want to be sanctified, if we want to be more like Jesus, taking risks and committed fellowship should be your normal. There are currently five of us who, who are on our Roxbury team and two feisty toddlers, and, and we share life. <laughs> On Sunday evenings, we have dinner together, we pray, we worship, and we strategize. On, on Mondays, we pray and fast. We meet up in the evening for corporate prayer. On Tuesdays, 
Silas and Evangeline spend the day together while I work, and on Wednesdays, I have the two nuggets while Madeline works. The guys and the girls meet separately for intentional discipleship a couple times a month, and sometimes on occasion, Lily could be over doing homework on her couch, and we have a date night. One afternoon, Lily was over after work, and Silas was sleeping, and Tim was still at work, and we were sipping tea in my kitchen, and Lily said, there's something I've been wanting to talk to you about. Yeah, Lily, what's up? She proceeded to tell me that she had been recently noticing a disconnect in my high regard for encouragement in how I actually spoke about my husband. I, I can explain away about how busy of a season it was and how right it was for me to, to complain and be annoyed, but Lily was right. She spoke the truth in love to me with such grace, and there was some repenting to be done. <laughs> Living intentionally in community involves relational risk, and the risk of confronting people, speaking the truth in love in order for them to grow, is a big deal. In committed fellowship, oh, sorry, but the results, almost lost this nailing moment, <laughs> The results to risk are worth it, guys. It's worth it. Come on. Twice in the chapter of Acts, we see the results of risk. Growth. Acts 2.41. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 2.47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Risk produces personal growth. It produces communal growth. And it saves people. Guys, like, come on. That's my story. Somebody invited me to church. Somebody invited me, and I got saved. Take a risk. Come on. So then why don't we take risks, right? We're going to go here before we start our response. Why don't we take risks? Well, bottom line, we're afraid. Afraid of ourselves, of failure, of not measuring up. We have fear of man, what others will think about us. We have fear of discomfort, feeling awkward or misunderstood. Fear of disappointment, like we put our dreams out there again and things don't turn out the way we thought. Well, the enemy wants us to be afraid and play it safe and just stay home. But Jesus, our Jesus, is victorious over sin and death, and he is worth the risk. He sent his spirit just like at Pentecost, to give us boldness and strength to take risks to make his name known. We're going to have the band come up as we transition to a time of, of response. I hope the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning. I hope you are wrapping your head around risk. I hope you're feeling and knowing already what you need to do next, right? But this is a call for action this morning. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit today, right? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. We have some people who I asked to come up and pray. You guys can come up right now. We also have a team from Bethel here this morning, so they're available to pray as well. But if you want to receive the boldness through the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, we have people that are going to pray for you. I want you to come on up and do that. Secondly, if you were here last week and you heard Mark speak about generational transition, uh, this is a prophetic word that God's given to him this year. And Mark and Susan have lived and continue to 
live bold, risky lives for the sake of Jesus. So we've only heard a small portion of the stories that they have to tell and the growth that's come from taking risks. So they're going to impart generational transition today. So if you want to receive that, like, like we're next, guys. If you want to receive that today, come on up and let them lay hands on you. And finally, if you are sitting in your chair and you're just thinking, I know what's next, ask someone to pray for you who you came with. Come on up and just before Jesus and ask for boldness and strength. But today we want you to ask Jesus, what's the next risk for me to take? What's the next risk? I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we say you're worth it. God, that you are worth it that our friends and our neighbors are worth it. God, would you speak about what risk looks like in each of our lives today, God? What it looks like to take the next step in faith, to put our reputations on the line, maybe our, our safety on the line, our finances on the line, God. And say, it's yours anyway, Jesus. It's all for you. God, we want to see you come back, Jesus. So we need to take steps of risk see that happen, Lord. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fall fresh on us this morning? Would you fall for the first time on 